there is a tendency to think that feasibility is just about a budget. It is a lot more than that. And it really is one of those critical skills that's the foundation of your success as a renovator. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, everyone. And it's been a while since I have done an episode live, but here I am back. And today we have a very meaty topic. Now, we've talked about feasibility in an earlier episode, and I will add that into the show notes. And it's something that I have been, I guess, a topic I've been flogging a bit in our community because it's really important to master. And I feel that at times that we do a pretty skimpy job of it. And this is one of those skills that brings everything together and really reduces your risk. So in terms of feasibility, there is a tendency to think that feasibility is just about a budget. And what I want to share with you today is that it is a lot more than that. And it really is one of those critical skills that's the foundation of your success as a renovator. So, and I want to talk about the broader implications. Now, you've got two goals with your feasibility. One is to get a cracker outcome. So you want your project to run smoothly. You want to meet compliance. It wants to comply with all the legal and planning rules that apply to it. You want to max out your profit and you also want to look good. Like as renovators, that is important. We want to look professional. We want to act professionally, but we also want to look like we know what we're doing and we want to know what we're doing. And so That's one side of the coin. But the other side of the coin is we want to avoid disaster. So not prevent your project from overrunning in time and budget. So you want to avoid things going wrong. You want to avoid having little to no profit or even worse, losing money. And you don't want to look like an idiot. So the lowest common denominator. So being able to master this skill is really, really important. And doing renovating in any capacity, particularly for profit, without working on your feasibility skills is a bit like putting a boat in the water in Sydney Harbour and setting out to sail to New Zealand with a map, okay? So you know roughly where you're going. You've done a bit of a budget but you don't have the means of really knowing if you're going in exactly the right direction and you don't have the knowledge of the weather conditions. So you're sort of a bit flying blind and it is a recipe for disaster. So please listen up because I want to give you a framework for making sure that your uh, your feasibility is all-encompassing 
Now, I'm not going to say it stops you from making mistakes because that is impossible. Everyone makes, I make a mistake every time I do a project. But what you want to make sure is that you are making the right mistakes, ones that are not going to impact the outcome of your project. And so when I was sort of thinking about this concept, I was really wanted to have a format that fitted into a triangle because the triangle is the most robust structure, the strongest structure that there is. However, I couldn't quite do it, so we've got a square. So before I get into it, I'll give you the textbook version of what a feasibility study is, and it's an assessment that determines the likelihood of a proposed project being successful. It assesses whether a project a proposed project is both legally and technically feasible as well as economically justified. So that's the the dictionary interpretation of feasibility. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And as I said, I've created a model. We did quite a bit of work on this in the at retreat. So Wonder Women who are watching you and if you weren't at retreat, you should go and look at the recordings because I go into it in a lot of depth. So obviously the outcome we want to make is profit, but we encompass that in a circle because it's not just about the profit. It's about creating your quality of life, working in a way that is that really honours your passion and addresses what's important to you, your level of integrity and so on. So That's the overarching theme to how we approach our renovating. And as I said, there are four pillars to it. So there they are. So the first one is the market that you're operating, a bit like when we're sailing off in our sailing boat and needing to know the weather conditions. As you know, the market is fickle and it is changing all the time. So to go into a project without having really thoroughly examined the impact that the market has on your project, how it's affecting your property value and so on, is naive. So you want to be really thoughtful about that. The second point is how you organise the project. So the level of organisation in it, how you structure it. The third one is obviously the money aspects of it. So, you know, your course, your formula for making a profit. And the fourth one is the technical aspects of it, how you actually manage the project and take it from beginning to end. Now, obviously, all these topics are interrelated. And so ultimately, they make up the complete feasibility. Now, something I would suggest is that when you start looking for a potential project, that you start this process from day one. And there's a few reasons for that. But the first one is that even if you don't end up going through with the project, it enables you to build your skills. So building your feasibility muscle so you get better and better at it. Okay, so that's the second thing is that if you start it from day one and then you do actually end up progressing with it, you've already got the bulk of the work done. It's just tying up the loose ends at the end before you commit to a an unconditional contract. So, yeah, 
because, yeah. So what I'm going to do is give you an example on each for each pillar so you get a bit of a sense of what where how this works. So let's think about market for a start. So when you go into a project, you really need to have your finger on the pulse in terms of the market. And so things like, you know, knowing where the current market is, so as there's not just one market, so you need to know, be an area expert and know your local market, local to your project, intimately, and have a really good understanding of the property values. So in terms of what the property is worth before you start renovating, how much you pay for it, so you don't take, pay too much, and what it's going to be worth at the end of your project, and also what people in your target market are willing to pay for. So knowing your market in that level of depth will help you to pull together a really robust feasibility. And so then you can start basing your decisions on what you know about the market. It also involves the people that you who advise you. So you know, who you've got that's giving you information, particularly your real estate agent or your buyer's agent. So having really sound information there. So getting to know your market fully and the influences on that market and how that's going to impact the property while you're owning it is critical. So the second thing that I want to talk about is how you organise the organisation of your project. Now, that will cover legal aspects. It will cover the resourcing of it in terms of specialists. It will cover legal structure. But a key thing that I really want to talk about is who is leading the project. So who is the driver? Now, I believe that a successful project is not a democracy, okay? And the person that's leading the project needs to take full control. So if you're doing a project on your own, obviously it's you and that's great. But how have you, I guess, set yourself up? Have you empowered yourself to have an awesome outcome? So if the leadership of it, the person driving the project's a bit flaky, their attention is split, it's not fully demoted to the project, then that can take it off the rails. So setting it up strongly so it does have, it has an empowered leadership is really important. Now, I've been down this path and I've attempted to run projects without giving them my full attention. And I can tell you that that leads to, I won't say disaster, but it doesn't give you a strong outcome. I know that if I can give that project a core block of time where it's all, I live and breathe it and I'm really focused on it, that will get me the best outcome. Now, it doesn't mean that's the only thing you do. Obviously, you have a family, you might have a job, but you don't take on key, like big commitments outside that while that project's going on in order to give it 
its best shot of delivering the profit that you want. So you think, let's say you're doing a 100K project. So let's say just giving that six or eight weeks of your full attention so all the orders are turning up on time so that you get it to a point where it's ready to be styled or rented or whatever you do, the return on that level of attention is massive. So if you can produce an extra fifty or 100000 just by committing that time and focus to the project, it will, yes, it will pay you back in spades. What happens if you don't is it goes off program, it things cost you more, you find yourself caught in a place where you've got a trade on site, you don't have the materials there on time. Particularly now in the post-COVID situation, you can go and order something and find that you've got a three-month wait for it where you're used to being able to order it and have it here next week. So you need to be really on the ball or have a leader that's on the ball. And so this also is important in joint ventures. So the person that is running the show is running the project. One has full control of it and two is fully committed to it. So the next thing is the all important, the money side of it, because the figures need to add up and it needs to be delivering a an outcome, a profit, and it needs to be kept on budget. But that budget initially, we think that's the feasibility, but there are other elements to the budget that are equally as important. And one of them is the plan B. So I've done an episode on this before. And having a robust plan B is critical. Now, a plan B is not just an off-the-shelf comment, if it doesn't sell, we'll rent it, because the reality is you may get to a point where you are ready to go to sale and it doesn't get the price you want, but the rent won't cover the holding costs. And what one of the biggest, I guess, factors in a failing project is being forced to sell. You never want to be in that position. I was having a chat with a renovator recently who had bought a project, did a JV and bought a project on an option and didn't get their price before the option ran out. So they absolutely had to sell it regardless and didn't get the price they'd budgeted on. So making sure that you've made decisions up front in that feasibility stage that support you being successful in your project is, of course, critical. Okay, so what is the last piece of the puzzle? And the last piece is the technical piece. So things like your processes, Do you have processes that mean that you can have full control of your project? So your due diligence process, your trade management process, because if you don't have those processes, then there are things that can take you off the rails along the way. So you want to make sure that you have your system really down pat. And as I said, it doesn't stop you from making mistakes but you want to make sure that those mistakes are little mistakes and not big mistakes. So at the end of every project, we 
do an assessment or a review of the project to figure out what we did well and what we could do better. And that's a really good thing to do because then you can look at those things that you think that you could do better and improve on them so that you don't keep repeating the same thing that doesn't get you the best outcome. One of the things that I, the last project I did was a class project in Newcastle. And one of the things that I realised out of that was that we did it because we thought we'd experiment with doing a project with all cash, which is great from a point of view of having a lot of control because you don't have banks breathing down your neck. But the downside is you don't get that leverage on on borrowed money. So borrowed money is still cheaper than having a another partner. And so we're getting ready to do our next class project and this time we are borrowing because that means we 80% of the value of that purchase we're getting at a lower interest rate than what we would be paying out in a share. So Yes, reviewing your process, and that should have been obvious up front, but to me it wasn't. And so, yeah, it's a good way to, yeah, to make sure that you don't keep repeating the same mistakes. And, of course, post-COVID, our processes change. So one of the things that we do now where I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have things on site any earlier than I need them because there's this risk of them being stolen or getting damaged. But now absolutely we get things up front so that they're not, that we don't run the risk of not being able to get them in time. A simple thing like doing your outdoor programming to do your outdoor work early in the program rather than leaving it to the last minute. Actually, even having, I know a lot of renovators don't have a renovation program or schedule. So having a schedule and updating it, keeping it current is another way of having control over your project. So by schedule, I mean a construction program. So James, for a borrowing on a JV, does one person take responsibility for the loan? It can be one, it can be two. It just depends on what their borrowing capacity is. I think in this project, it will be two because we have It's quite a big budget project. So, yeah, hope that answers your question, James. Okay, so what there is for you to do now is to take this model and brainstorm some of the things that will sort of feed into those four pillars of feasibility so that you can develop a process that makes you a really strong, competent renovator. Okay. So that's it for me today. Take care. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.